0: Roger Green, host of the Surfing the Next Tsunami podcast. This weekend, we are offering four conversations from episode 14, in which Louise Campbell, Jorn Schottenberg, and I take a look at the highlights of what should be a very exciting second quarter. Since we didn't post this episode until Friday afternoon, we will forego the vault episode for a week and it will return next week at the back end of our River Forum 14 session. In this conversation, each of us identifies one event in the second quarter we find particularly exciting. Louise Campbell starts by focusing on two VCTE developments in the UK. The Night nice decision on fiberscan in primary care settings which is due in april and an announcement from the national health service for england that nhs plans to spend 2.3 billion pounds opening 100 community scanning centers featuring fiberscan by 2025 jorn schotenberg focuses on the upcoming easel congress which promises exciting new presentations of phase two and three drug trials and extremely exciting advances in diagnostics possibly including nit's that prove to be prognostic i focus on the upcoming ad board and padufa date for intercept pharmaceuticals butycolic acid which has the potential to become on the first drug approval on NASH and really to change everything. One more comment for me about this conversation. I introduce an idea I describe as the Nashimon of NASH. This metaphor, which stems from the famous Japanese movie, Rashomon, describes a situation where multiple people see the same event in completely different ways. Now that aligns with a vision of NASH diagnosis and treatment I've used in the past in which multiple stakeholders, frontline treaters, MD specialists, consumers, patients, payers, each have the same different views that you would find in Nash Rashomon or in the metaphor that's more commonly used, the block. People touching the elephant. Listen to what I believe this will mean in terms of different levels and kinds of education and communication we need in order to share the entire Nashamon with our community. The next three months promise an array of exciting events here in Nashville. Conferences, papers, and perhaps a key, really exciting regulatory milestone. You can hear the excitement and enthusiasm in our voices and our manner, so just sit back, listen, enjoy, learn, and when you're done, join the dialogue on our LinkedIn discussion group. This second quarter, consistent with everything else, the, the pace of change increases in the second quarter has just a ton of stuff in it. And I, I think where I'd like to start is I'd like to ask each of the three of us to pick the one thing that's going to happen in the second quarter that we think is likely to be the most momentous or most compelling. Brave one, go first.
1: Louise Campbell. I'll jump in because we've discussed it on the podcast a fair bit. The anticipated approval by the National Institute of Healthcare Excellence in the UK for fibroscan Scan to be in the community and primary care setting for liver pathways. And I think we're waiting on the publication of that because it's been through lengthy documentation. But one of the reasons that NICE is so important is there are a lot of countries that don't do the cost-effective analysis or these reviews in such an intense way and look to the UK system and NICE's approval before they will change their health care or look at these areas. So it's it's a gear stick for me for what could potentially happen. This will be followed It has already been announced that the UK government is going to invest £2.3 billion over two years to put more liver non-invasive diagnostics aka Fibroscan, scan into our diagnostic hubs. So there is a genuine commitment that I see at a government level and I, I think I said to you earlier just personally that Jeff Lazarus wrote a lovely report and showed a great poster at Easel a couple of years ago that was on who was the most prepared to be able to do an D policy and implement that strategy. And the UK came top, although he was very keen to also say that everybody failed. The UK just failed less than anybody else. So
0: yes, when you said most prepared, I was thinking least unprepared is more like what he said. But yeah, that's right.
1: Absolutely. But I think there's a momentum that we haven't had before. It's, It's whether or not we grab the momentum in the right ways, because you can get momentum in any disease field, but it can get washed away because other people just don't bring it on. So I think there is excitement, but there's trepidation that we don't do it in the right way. We make it labor intensive or too cumbersome to be able to get out there. But just picking up on Jean's point from the conference, for me, that rang alarm bells. If we have two types of cirrhosis and we can't differentiate these two types on a biopsy, therefore the biggest need we have is stopping people getting to cirrhosis. And therefore that early detection gives us those opportunities to stop this hot and cold type of cirrhosis. So it becomes more important for early diagnosis. That for me is going to be important to see over the next, not just three months, but the next couple of years as this rolls out and who and the domino effect that it could have
0: so this will be our episode on april 24th which is not the episode right after louise comes back that'll be our anniversary episode which i'll talk about at some point today but at the week after that we'll talk about those two stories the nice paper and the nhs england funding commitment which after all these years firmly locked into my head how do you type a pound sign on an apple uh, us english keyboard which i'd never known how to do before without odd codes but it turns out they made it simpler you just go option three and there you are so louise you've only been working on this forever. so it'll, it'll be exciting to see some of that stuff come to
2: fruition. Jaren Schattenberg.
0: This is great news from my
2: side also, Louise. I think it's a strong signal forward. I mean, if a system that's based as much and strongly on referral and cost effectiveness as the UK implements us, we're going to get numbers for your system, for the your healthcare system, on the cost-effectivity and the referrals. And I know this is going to be accompanied by some analyses that will show us how many detections we're going to make in which context. So I think this is very important and, and interesting concept moving forward. I can tell you I'm looking forward to our discussion on this. I'm involved in at least two or three, let's say, research applications and some current research that looks at screening of the entire population for liver disease. And one of the big challenges is what approach do we use? How much money do we spend? What is the accuracy of the tests? And I do see that the UK has found a good approach. I'm convinced that the approach will, A, identify advanced cases that haven't been identified. So we'll be preventing end stage and um, the technology behind it is useful.
0: Joran, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I also think that the effect that it's the UK doing this first speaks not only to Jeff's comment about who was least unprepared a couple of years ago, but also to the differences in terms of how the health systems look at investment in care. You know, In the US, we have tons of money invested in electronic medical records because Obama made that uh, a pivotal element in the Affordable Care Act. And as a result, it's somewhat easier for us to capture real-time patient data on, on basic things like complete blood panels than it is in some other parts of the world. The idea that so much of our insurance is private and funded annually and that we have high patient turnover means that it's difficult to envision who would be willing to make the kind of investment that the British system, which has more centralized cost and, and is based more on qualities and cost effectiveness, is making. So, uh, you know, y- you can debate which systems are better at the others for doing what. But on this one, living on this side of the pond, I'm clearly jealous. I think that the government systems and the folks who, who take a look at efficiency in a broader context yeah. are going to do and better batter, on this, better on preventive.
1: We batter the NHS and we batter a lot of the health systems by not being good enough. For me, I- not to give too much of the discussion for the episode we're going to cover on but it's about the investment in keeping people healthy the only way we are going to save healthcare in any system is to stop getting sick where we can prevent it because we don't have enough staff we don't have enough opportunities to train so and i don't think it's born out of that i think it is genuinely born out of the fact that liver disease has been one of the most under-recognized serious health conditions that is so intrinsic into all of the major ones that we are now saying looking at the elephant In the room. We're just going to be in a position, I hope, that we can find the elephant in the room a lot easier, quicker, and stop patients waiting months and months on end for a discussion about it. So, for me, obviously, I've talked about it for a long time, but this is the hard work of the British Liver Trust, the MPs, all of the experts that sit on these panels, and patients. And they're getting a result, and that for me is
0: vital. Pardon the small digression, and then we'll go to urine. But when you talk about the elephant in the room, I've taken to using two metaphors to describe. Nash and liver disease and its place in the world, one of which is the uh, parable of the blind people touching the elephant, where depending upon whether you're t- touching a tusk or the trunk or one of the legs or, or or where you are, it's a completely different animal. And I think when people look at liver disease, on the one hand, we have Stephen Harrison's metaphor about the canary in the coal mine, which is very small and very finite. And then we have six blind people touching an elephant. There is a Japanese movie, I think, in the 40s or 50s called Rashomon, which is a classic presentation on multiple people describing the same event in radically different ways. You'll hear this phrase from him more time goes on, I've taken to calling the phenomenon of how we look at the liver the Nashamon because it rhymes, and therefore it's, it's not alliterative. It, the litter is the first letter. It, it rhymes, so it's visual. And Nash is very much that. People look at it, then depending upon where you are, you see a very different story. I agree with you where you're looking at it right now. At the front end, when you can still prevent pretty quickly, if you want to take action, is the place we all should be looking more. So, welcome to the You're in. pick an event for the first quarter that you want to talk about. The first
2: quarter runs till end of June, right? My scientific highlight is going to be IL see in Vienna because the amount of data we're going to be seeing there will be incremental. There's going to be phase 3 data in my expectations going to be presented outside of press releases for the first time. There will be a wealth of biomarker data, even some predicting outcomes, which is um, a hot field at this point. We need biomarkers that we can use to risk stratify patients. There might be even some data as a preview to predict drug treatment response from some phase 2 trials potentially and I think the excitement of many of the questions that we are asking wondering for being answered in high quality data sets is one of my highlights and of course meeting people uh, potentially getting back together with you Roger let's try to not record in a bathroom this time um, seeing Louise uh, crouching in the shower again uh, uh, clearly those are highlights no, we'll,
0: we'll avoid that we'll avoid that i think we may just go we back all to doing had what clothes we- on <laughs> Yes, 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 we did. We just have yes, to stress this. Well, I've landed on having people record out of their hotel rooms as being the, the best way to go. Although there's a chance that we'll be doing some live real-time interviewing in Vienna as well. And I agree, you're, and I'm excited to see people that I've gotten accustomed to seeing in person that I've now not seen for eight or nine months. And I think the, the data at that meeting will be fantastic. It also should be noted, it's the weekend right after the, which goes to my event, the PDUFA date for uh, the review of a abetacolic acid. So it's conceivable that we will have a response from the FDA by the time we get there if they stay on Padufa's schedule, and many are hopeful that that will be an approval. And if, in fact, that were the case, it would make Vienna a whole different meeting. I, I, I agree. Mean, it would move the momentum in, in the field dramatically.
2: Now, my question is how much of the detailed discussions are going to be able to go outside of that closed room? Of course, we're going to get the final reports, but uh, the interesting aspects will be, you know, which way did the discussion go, which aspects were assessed differently this time, and the more uh, data that be available from that discussion, I think it's going to inform the field and, and going to be very helpful for
0: future developments.
2: And now, back to Roger.
0: We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please put them in the review section of the page from which you downloaded this conversation or send an email directly to questions at surfingnish.com. Next week, we'll be joined by our friend Veronica Miller and others who participated in what promises to be a truly exciting, even inspiring Liver 14 meeting in Washington, D.C. this weekend. The meeting should be great, and the session on it should be among our best. So until then, stay safe, surf on, and we'll see you on podcast. Bye-bye now.